the scripture reading it comes from Isaiah 30, 15 to 32. For thus said the Lord God, the Almighty One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved, in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling, and you said, No, we will flee upon horses. Therefore you shall flee away, and we will ride upon swift steeds. Therefore your pursuers shall be swift. A thousand shall flee at the threat of one, at the threat of five you shall flee, till you are left like a flagstaff on the top of a mountain, like a signal on a hill. Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice, blessed are all those who wait for him. For a people shall dwell in Zion, in Jerusalem, you shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon as he hears it, he answers you. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore. But your eyes shall see your teacher, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. Then you will defile your carved idols, overlaid with silver and your gold-plated metal images. You will scatter them as unclean things. You will say to them, be gone. This is the word of the Lord. Well, it's great to be with you again uh, this morning. And uh, I just want to give you a little, some, a little bit of background here for uh, Stay and Pray. Uh, so the first church of Valerie that I started, Winston-Salem, which is the mothership of the church that I pastor from 2007 to 2017, Hope Church. Redeemer Church, when we were starting this new church, we started this practice of praying on the first Sunday of, of every month just for lost people in our, in our family, uh, friends, neighbors, people we worked with. And we would gather to pray. We'd always bring our lunch. We'd stay afterwards, and we would pray. And we saw a great work of God through that prayer time. So I want to encourage you today. First of all, if you've never uh, prayed with people just to do this kind of prayer, it's a great way to learn how to pray. But it's also a way to be encouraged with God's heart for lost people. So I encourage you to do that. What we're going to do is after the service, about 20 minutes, we'll gather in the room on the other side of that wall. Uh, put up some tables, have lunch together, get to know each other, and then we're going to pray. So up here is an offering uh, plate, or, you know, oh, I forgot the right word to say for it, but it's just the, to bring your cards up and put them right there. And we're going to pray for everybody you put on your card by name. Now, if you haven't done it yet, there are plenty of cards up here. Fill it out. And so list the top maybe three people in your life. Maybe it's a a brother or a sister, a mom or a dad, a grandmother, a grandfather, somebody you work with, a neighbor that you've been talking to, um, that you have a real heart for them to know Jesus. And we're going to pray for them by name. And we're going we're gonna to really go after it today as we pray. And again, here's the thing that I know, having been a pastor for low these many years, 40 plus, have mercy, uh, is that... What's the worst attended meeting in any church? <laughs> you know, what's the hardest thing to do to get people to do? 
It's to get them to show up and pray together. All right, now, so I want to show you mercy. I'm a very tender pastor. Uh, some of you already know that. Uh, I have a lot of grace, and if you don't come, I'm not going to go, well, she wasn't there, you know, or he wasn't there, and why didn't you stay and pray? It's because most people feel like, I am so terrible at praying, I would be embarrassed to show up. I've never prayed out loud. I've never done this. But most people, if you said to them, why don't you want to pray with other people? It's because they would say, because I'm not good at it. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. But here's the way you learn is you come and sit with other people. Like this prayer meeting we had this morning on Zoom from 7 to 7.30, it was rich. Now, some of you are not morning people, and the Holy Spirit doesn't move until you have your first cup of coffee. So I want to show you mercy, okay? A friend of mine used to love to say there's a fine line between caffeine and the Holy Spirit. All right? Uh, but uh, <clears throat> the prayer time this morning, if you're a morning person, and you're up, and maybe get your husband to take care of the kids so you can pray with us. It is a rich time to pray. The other thing is to go to special kind of prayer meetings and just learn from other people. You don't have to pray. I'm not going to say, okay, now, Liz, it's your turn to pray. You can just pray if you feel led to pray. But we're going to pray through all the cards you put in this morning, and we're going to keep them there, and we're going to keep praying whenever we do this on the first Sunday of every month. So the next one will be November 6th, and then December, we'll, we'll just keep it rolling. But also, here's one of the things about being a healthy, thriving church, is that people who are coming to North Cross are coming because they're being invited, they're being drawn, but they're going to come to church, and on a given Sunday, they will meet Jesus Christ for the first time. And you remember the first time you met Christ, and you knew it was real? For me, it was October the 12th, 1970. I was 19 years old when I met Christ for the first time. And if I started thinking about it and relived it with you, I would have so much joy telling you that story. But for some of you who are here today, you're, you're visiting, you're coming along, you come because your husband comes, your wife comes, and you know you don't know the teacher yet. Today is going to be your day. And you know what you're going to do in the years to come? You go, on October 2nd, at this church on Bailey Road, I met Jesus. And I've never been the same. So just want to encourage you about growing as a church is praying. Uh, <clears throat> when, oh, I, I'm trying to put, put myself the year, but let's go back 15 years. I was on a long mission trip in India. And I went there to be a part of a conference to teach people about their faith and how to grow in their relationship with Jesus. And so at this conference, uh, I just had a, just a great time meeting people who were excited about starting a church in the, the district or the state of India called Uttar Pradesh. Uh, had 35 million people in it. It was right up next to Nepal. Right there you could see the Himalayas. As far as I could see, right to left. But there was part of a new church called Church of the Good Shepherd there in Allahabad. Um, and so I'm sitting in uh, the kitchen of the couple who were starting the church. They were both school teachers. They were new to Christ. They were so excited. And so I did my typical American thing 
saying, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you like to go if you could travel outside of India? And again, being the proud American that I am, and I am proud to be an American, okay? So uh, uh, thinking, oh, they'd say, I'd love to come to the U.S. I'd love to come to the United States of America so I can go to Disney World or whatever, you know, when you talk to people outside of our country. But the wife said, oh, I'd go to Cameroon. And I go, why would you want to go to Cameroon? And she said, because there's a movement of prayer there that I'd love to be a part of. I'd love to witness what I hear God is doing in Cameroon because of the way the church prays. Now, I want to cast a big vision right now, but what would it look like for people in this area saying, I want to go to North Cross Church because those people love to pray together. Acts 114 or 120, the church was meeting daily and they were of one accord praying to pray. Folks, there's a lot of ways we need to grow, but one of the ways I need to grow is learning how to pray and two, learning how to pray with other people and get over all my objections and excuses and reasons because Jesus loves to hear us when we pray together. So that's a little push, encouragement, challenge to you. So again, maybe you came here going, I'm not going to that prayer meeting. I'm not staying and praying. And I encourage you to stay and pray. And if you want to run out and grab something to eat and come back, we'll probably start, you know, 20 or 30 minutes after the service. But just encourage you because here's one of the marks that Jesus is at work in the church. The church is becoming a praying community together. So that gets us now to the sermon today. And I want to uh, pray, though, before I do that, I want to pray for North Cross. I want to pray for our community, our country, and uh, do the pastoral prayer. So would you uh, pray with me? Father, we thank you this morning for being a God who's faithful to pursue us with goodness and mercy every day. You are our good shepherd, Jesus, and you restore our souls. So would you restore our souls, realign us to the things that really matter, that we live for the things that are eternal and let go of the things which are temporal, which cannot satisfy. But I pray, Jesus, you'd help us today. We pray that you'd give us ears to hear that the mark of someone who loves you is that they listen to you. You say that I look to this person who listens and trembles at my word. And so may we even have the gift today of feeling how much we need what you want to say to us. And we would tremble when we hear it. We go, this is for me. This is for us. This is for our community. This is for our church today. We turn our hearts to Florida and that area, particularly along the southwest coast there. Many people waking up today who lost their homes, lost their businesses, lost family. Uh, it's just staggering to see how many people died. Knowing the storm was coming, some chose to stay and be in place, um, and they passed away. Uh, but Lord, may your church, may your spirit bring comfort to all those who grieve deeply in southwest Florida today, in Orlando, the places that many of us have been. Um, and uh, people are brokenhearted, and they're cut off. All the people living on Sanibel Island who are stuck there. Uh, Jesus, would you use your church to bring your love to everyone in need 
in Florida. Thank you that there's a thriving, healthy church in Florida. Um, but we pray it will now come alive to show how powerful you are, more powerful than any hurricane, to bring your love to people who are brokenhearted and grieving. So would you show mercy? Uh, we pray for the two family. We pray for Austin and Allie as well, the Tillises. Jesus, said you'd comfort them in their loss today as they wake up with another Sunday realizing that Dylan is not here. We pray for Ben, who uh, went home back to Baton Rouge uh, this week to uh, grieve the loss of his grandmother, Sally, who passed away uh, for his mom's mom. And so we pray for the Chapman family. Um, we thank you, thankful also that Emma and Ben got to go from there to a wedding of a good friend of Emma's in Ohio. And we pray for safe travel back. Uh, Father, we pray for the search committee to find, help find the right man, family for the future of North Cross. So would you answer that prayer in a very wonderful, amazing way? Uh, you've held this church together for a lot of years. You've done some really great stuff. But I really believe that the best years for North Cross are ahead. And uh, we know that's going to be tied into whoever you call. But we pray you bless the search committee for Dean and Hudson and others that are on it to really sense that you are pouring out your ideas, your men to look at and helping them to discern who is the right person for the future of North Cross. Lord, there are a lot of other needs that are represented here that some I know, some I don't, but we pray you supply all those needs out of the riches of your glory in your son Jesus. And we pray you do that in a very powerful way. We pray you would uh, pour out your spirit on our country that we might live through another great awakening. Uh, we pray for our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine uh, today who suffer intensely for all the madness there. We pray against the evil, the injustice, the brokenness. And we pray that you defeat the plans of Putin and Russia uh, to annex their country, uh, that somehow that be upended and reversed. But we pray you protect our world from the craziness of people who threaten to use um, uh, nuclear weapons that would start us into an unbelievable madness. We pray against that in Jesus' name. So protect our country, our world, from the use of military force that throws us into uh, unbelievable uh, suffering and death. So, Jesus, have mercy, uh, we pray. And so we realize how much we need you, even as we're praying now. But we pray for the prayer time today. We pray that it will be used powerfully. I know I have people in my life that I long for them to know you, Jesus. And so I pray that you would help people who are listening to my cry for my family and friends who need you desperately that you, even this week, Jesus, they would say yes to you and see their teacher for the first time. So Jesus, help us, we pray. Uh, now as we come to your word, we ask it in your name. Amen. All right, so superpower, humility. John Stott, who is a famous teacher, preacher, here's a famous quote from him. He says, pride is your greatest enemy and humility is your greatest friend. Um, are you a friend with the humility of Jesus? Do you know Jesus in a way that you know his superpower was humility? 
if I was asked you to share with me how you're growing in your ability or your desire to humble yourself. Remember that old song, Humble Thyself in the Sight of the Lord, and uh, He will lift you up. And many of you are down. You're not where you need to be because pride is keeping you from tapping into the supernatural power of the living Christ for you. But let me share with you, it's your superpower. If you learn how to be humble the way Jesus was humble, stand back and be amazed. I never thought I could do this. I never, never thought I'd become this. I never thought I would see the things that I saw. And it all started when I humble myself and say, God, show me what I need. Search me and know me and see where there are things about me that keep me from enjoying and delighting and glorifying you and being thankful. My mentor said, uh, the greatest miracle you'll ever see is a proud person humbling themselves. And I have been privileged to be humbled by the living God. And a lot of people who knew me before and know me now, that when God helps me humble myself, the spirit flows. God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. If you're trying to figure out why am I not seeing more of what God says or promises or whatever, could it be, again, your greatest enemy is your pride. And again, it's hard for me to admit. I can feel the gag reflex <laughs> coming. I'm still so proud. Why? Where does that come from? I'm still, the presence of sin is still here. The two cheer-ups of my mentor, cheer-up, you're worse than you know. Cheer-up, you're more loved than you could ever imagine. At the same time, pride is always there. It's always lurking. It's always controlling. And remember our friend Vance Habner, the country preacher from North Carolina, said sin blinds. So, again, it won't be a surprise to many of you because it doesn't surprise me if I'd say, your pride's there, but you're, you can't see it. It's right there, but you can't, it's blinding. You can't see what what God has for you because you're blinded by your pride. Now, if you can own that, your superpower just kicked in. <laughs> you're humbling yourself. I, I'm willing to admit how proud I am, how self-sufficient I am, how difficult it is for me. As we've looked through this passage the last couple weeks, um, uh, it is, again, so rich. And so this is our third week hanging in this passage, and there's so much more than we'll get through today. But what we've realized is that we are so much like the people in verse 15 when God says, here I am, the Holy One of Israel, the Lord God, and here's what I want to say to you because this is the way I want you to live. In repentance and rest, in returning and rest, ESV uses the word re returning there because repentance it literally means to return and rest. You shall be saved, that is, sanctified. This is how you will be saved today, by repenting and resting. But God repeats this in a chiasmus. It's an X here in Hebrew. If we were doing inductive Bible study right now, we draw a line between returning and trust. So here's how you know um, you are repenting. You're trusting the invitation to humility. I want to be known in my family as a person who is humble, the way Jesus was humble. Second, I'm learning how to be quiet so I can listen to God and, uh, 
and find strength in that. See, I'm a doer. I'm an activist. I'm a ready, fire, aim. I, I want to get in. If there's a problem, if there's a need, if there's a challenge, put me in, coach. Give me the ball. I'm ready to launch from three-point. Me and Steph Curry, I can shoot that shot, okay? But God says, sit on the bench and watch me work. You know, be still. This is not your battle. This is my battle. And some of you are in incredible struggles right now where God says, be still. This is my battle. Be still. Be humble. And that is so hard for somebody like me because, come on, put the gloves on. Let's go. I'm ready to box. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to wrestle. Let's go. And God says, son, sit down and stand back and be amazed at what I'm getting ready to do. You see, when we're talking about humility, we're tapping into, again, what's in this passage, hearing his voice. We've spent a whole couple months now talking about listening. You know, humble people listen. They're curious. They want, what do, what do I need to know? What do you see that I'm missing? Uh, there's a lot of stories I could tell, but my son heard Coach K talk about um, uh, to a group of them uh, saying the great ones, LeBron, Kobe, others were constantly learners and they wanted to listen. And so he tells a story where Michael Jordan, the greatest of all time, the goat, the ceiling is the roof. Remember that funny quote from Jordan? <laughs> so, <clears throat> but he said Jordan came to him and said, I, I really want to learn how to be a better defensive player. Now, this is when they're on the U.S. team. This is the dream team. This is the team winning the Olympic gold. But Jordan comes to Coach K and says, I have a, you know, I have a couple NBA rings, all this, MVPs, all that. But you know the one award that Jordan had never won was the, most, the best defensive player in the NBA. So part of that's what motivated him. But Coach K said, what impressed me about Jordan was he listened as I taught him how to play better defense. Now, most of you are very accomplished people. You've done a lot. You've accomplished a lot. But could it be that you're right at this point where you're well positioned to say, I will learn how to be a better follower of Jesus. I want to become a better listener in the word. I want to become a woman who knows how to pray in ways that I am trusting God to do the impossible, that you're at a place where you're humble enough to say, I've looked at a lot of my needs, I look at a lot of my challenges, I'm ready to learn how to pray. Pastor, would you teach me how to pray? I would love to teach you how to pray, but I can't help you pray until you say, teach me how to do this. Teach me how to pray. And let me share with you, because it's my greatest need, so the ground is level at the cross, famous line of Billy Graham. I need to learn how to pray. I need to be around people who are praying, but nothing encourages me more than sitting with other people who all say, God, teach us how to pray. And guess what? God loves to show up and teach people how to pray. So listening for his voice. Now, here's the promise that we see here. Now, some of you have already clued into this, and this is the really good news. So remember my illustration from the country preacher where he'd take off his glasses, lean over the pulpit, and what would he say? 
Anybody remember from last week? It's a good test, okay? Let's turn your hearing aids on now. Here we go. Uh, he would take it, and he'd lean over and go, follow me close, all right? So we want to follow Jesus close right here, but I want you to follow me close. Because in verse 20 it says, well, now let's back up to verse 19. For a people shall dwell in Zion and Jerusalem, you shall weep no more. He shall surely be gracious, gracious to you as the sound of your cry. As soon as he hears it, he answers you. Now here's one of the great things about learning how to pray with confidence. God has a hair trigger to your cry. His, his ability to hear us in judgment is locked and restrained and held back because most of you think if I start telling God what I need I'm afraid what I'm going to get is smacked down so this is going to be a little test class this morning congregation if I said to you all right I want you to pray for your brother who needs Christ to pray this way and say pray this way God I want you to do whatever it will take to reach my brother now if your theology is weak or bad, here's what you're thinking. I'm not going to pray that way. I don't like that prayer because what you believe is that God is a God who's out to smack people down because they're turned away from him and they're rebellious. What is that all about? It's not true. God loves your lost brother so much. And he's got a hair trigger to not do what? Judge him and make him do terrible things and most of you are sitting here because when you least expected it, God was so good to you. And it broke your heart and you turned to Jesus. If you pray, God, do whatever it takes to reach my prodigal son, Luke. That's one of the ways all of you can pray for me. Our son, Luke, who's going to be 42, is a prodigal right now. And if I say, God, do whatever it takes, I don't expect bad things to happen to Luke. I expect so many good things to happen to him that it overwhelms him with how much God loves him. Wow. As soon as you cry, God hears it because he's got a hair trigger, <laughs> a mercy, and you back up. He exalts himself to show mercy. All right, here we go. Here we get some of the good stuff, though. And though the Lord has given you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore. Here's the promise. If you begin to humble yourself, Jesus will make himself real to you. And you will see him. Now when I say see him, I'm talking about a redeemed biblical imagination. You'll have a way of seeing him looking at you, loving for you, tears running down his face, because he can't wait to draw you in to the embrace of our Heavenly Father. And Jesus is a good shepherd, and he is pursuing you today with so much passion and determination that if you could catch a little glim glimpse of his passion for you, you'd say, Lord, I need more of that. You just... You would become less humble. You would become more and more humble. You would be asking for help, saying, I, I want to know this. I want to taste and see the goodness of God. But I want you to see the promise right here. Michael Card, and I I'll send this out next week in the newsletter. Um, he's, he uh, said that, uh, that when he began to understand who Jesus was, he had a, a mentor, Bill Lane, 
who said the problem with most people in the church is they have an uninformed imagination. And so he challenged Michael Card to work at helping people's imagination to come alive again. And he said, Michael, and Michael was a student of theology, he said, Michael, you know, I, I would love for you to write some songs about the things that I've been teaching you. He'd never written a song before. And I have a feeling we have some poets here. We have some songwriters here. We have some art, visual artists here that if you begin to humble yourself, Jesus is going to create his story artistically to reach the hearts and minds of lost people through you, through North Cross Church. And wow, the uninformed imagination. But don't you see here, Jesus says, I'm not going to hide myself from you anymore. I'm going to begin to show myself to you, and it's going to fire your imagination with faith. I can't wait to see what God is going to do. I can't, I don't want to miss that prayer meeting. I don't want to miss being part of that community group because I'm so excited about what God can do for somebody like me. And I just want you to hang on. If you don't hear anything else, uh, I want you to hear Jesus says, I'm not going to hide myself from you anymore. Now, how are you going to take a hold of that, receive it? You're going to humble yourself. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, if you'll confess your idols, then something's going to happen for you and to you that you never thought possible because of Jesus, the supernatural risen king, loves to show up in people like me and to unbelievable stuff Unbe i mean the stories that i you know i'll get to tell you some of them and some of them will be around christmas is uh what he has done for a poor wretched sinner like me it's it's nothing short of miraculous the informed imagination so here you can write this down as a way of helping you want to go low so jesus can get high in your life jesus said if you lift me up I'm going to draw a lot of people to myself. But how do we lift Jesus up? By going low, church. <laughs> By humbling ourselves. Uh, I was with my mentor, Jack Miller, back in the day. This had been in the 70s. We were actually at an ARP church near here. He was doing an evangelistic weekend. Uh, he was preaching the gospel to believers who had forgotten it, lost it, didn't know the power of it. And so it was at the end of the worship service. And uh, have any of you ever been in this experience where the preaching is so powerful, the Spirit of God is so thick that when the preacher finishes, nobody moves? You're so stunned by, this is how glorious the revelation of our God is. And this ARP church, and I'll try and figure out which one it was, but it's near here, everyone was just quiet, and nobody moved. Now, what Jack had been preaching on is the power of the forgiveness of our sins. And he said the problem in the church is that you have a lot of people gathering in the church who say they love Jesus, but they hate each other. <laughs> or they don't like each other. You know how we Southerners do it. Hey, how you doing? It's great to see you, Hudson. You know, man, I, I you know, I, and then I drive it home with Valerie and go, you know, Hudson, what a piece of work. You know, he is just, you know, he's a loser, big time, all right? 
you don't, and, and we'd love to say that doesn't go on. I, don't worry, Hudson, I've never said that. So, uh, but that's the illustration. In the church, my guess, even in this room, there's some people here that are not getting along, haven't done well, and for sure they haven't forgiven each other. Or they've said this, I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to what? Forget. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to like you. I'll forgive you, but I'm not. What is that? And anything that cuts off the Holy Spirit. So anyway, back to what, that day. So here's what happened. One of the elders stood up and walked across a few pews, pointed to another elder and said, come here. And out loud he asked that elder to for, say, please forgive me. I have had a terrible attitude towards you. And the next thing you know, people started getting up and going to each other and saying, please forgive me. I... I have offended you by not treating, by, you know. And so during the next 30 minutes or so, people in church are just like a bunch of bees, you know, in this hive of the gospel and the sweet honey that comes from the rock is flowing. Have you ever been in something like that? Let me give you an, another illustration of that. Um, I was speaking at this big youth gathering of students and... Um, and it went okay, and it was a bunch of teenagers, and I, I thought I did pretty good, but it didn't seem to be going anywhere. Um, and so at the very end, we had a time of sharing. Uh, so all the kids, there were probably a couple hundred high school kids sitting on a gym floor. And on one side of the gym floor was a brother, on the other side was another brother. And so we'll say, this brother over here stands up and calls his brother by name and says, I am so sorry. I am so sorry for the way I've treated you. I've hated you for a long time. Will you forgive me? Now, this sort of sleepy, kind of half-hearted, lukewarm group of teenagers, right at that moment when he said, please forgive me, these two brothers started jumping over teenagers, running to the middle of the gym and embracing each other. And the next thing you knew, everybody stood up and they started talking and hugging each other and weeping. <laughs> Bunch of Tina. I mean, it was like, oh my goodness. Is this what revival looks like? And the answer is yes. Do you think that could happen here? Where God's spirit would move in such a unique and powerful way that it would be otherworldly. It would be a little taste of heaven coming down to North Cross Church so that we could experience the power of what God does when his people humble themselves. Uh, we're coming up soon to Thanksgiving and when I went from being a pastor in Greensboro to Christ Community Church in Franklin, Tennessee, so I went from being a small church pastor to a church of a couple thousand people on Sunday. But rather than preaching the Sunday before Thanksgiving, this is what we would do. We just open, open mic for people to come up and say what they were thankful for. And I, I had the privilege of moderating those four different worship services. So I got to, got to hear a lot of people tell great stories of gratitude for what God has done. And on this particular Sunday before Thanksgiving, a woman I'd never seen came up before. She said, I know many of you don't know me. I'm here visiting family. I'm from uh, Ohio, and I'm here to visit uh, family here, but I want to tell you about my last two Christmases. She said, two Christmases ago, 
my, my son, my youngest son, had gotten really sick. He was in the hospital. Uh, he almost died, but he got better. On the day we were bringing, getting ready to bring him home, he unexpectedly died for reasons we don't know. She said that Christmas was the worst Christmas I've ever been through. No decorations. Our house stayed dark. I couldn't even barely get out of my bedroom. I was so broken by the loss of my son. The next Christmas, I thought, well, I need to, I need to act out my faith a little bit. So she put up a few de decorations, but she could not get out from under the weight of the loss of her son. And so she walked in the living room and she saw another son in one part of the living room uh, and, uh, and he was singing. And he was singing a Christmas carol. And she went up and there was the little manger scene and all the animals and he had taken it out of the box and set it all up. But he had all his action, all his action figures, you know, face down in front of the manger. And she said, Johnny, what are, you, what are you doing? And she said, well, and he said, well, Mom, don't you know that on that day when Jesus re, uh, returns, he says, he says that every knee will bow and confess him as Lord. And she said at that moment, this just wave of waterfall of joy just fell, Yes. <laughs> She, was, she went from no joy to full of joy. And she said, at that moment when I realized that Philippians 2.5, he humbled himself and became obedient to, the, to death, the de even death on a cross, so that you and I would know today that there is coming a day, there is coming a celebration where we'll kneel before him and confess that he is our Lord. But joy with worship, with thrills, whatever. I'm just going to turn this off. I can preach loud enough. I use my outside voice. Um, and so she said, at that moment, everything changed for me. And she was up there, and she was radiant. Radiant with the joy of the hope of heaven when she would see her son who had died again. My friend, do you have that kind of joy? Do you have that kind of hope? Do we share that kind of radiance as the people of God today? You see what it's promising that it says, I'm not going to hide myself from you anymore. Jesus is so ready to reveal himself to you in a way that's going to heal you, restore you, redeem you, and begin to change you because what's going to happen is you're going to look at the things you're trusting in right now, your idols, and go, I'm done. I'm done with putting my hope here, here, here. I want to be like Psalm 73, besides you, Jesus, there's nothing or no one else on earth worth living for but you. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful uh, today for the opportunity to linger a little bit and come back into this passage and say, Jesus, do it again. Uh, thank you for the hair trigger of mercy you have towards me and everyone in this room. You're waiting for us to cry out and say, Lord, help me. I need you. I'm lost. Uh, thank you that when we say we're lost, you come and find us. And then God, you restore us. Thank you for this table that's set before us today, that as we come to the table today, Jesus, you will meet us and help us. Uh, and
because we desperately need you and we're missing out so much because our pride is just eating us up. It's eating us up and it's spreading. And we want to reverse the curse of the pride that's in us and help us to embrace our calling to be conformed to your image, Lord Jesus. So we ask for your help.